If you have your, your Bible with you, you can turn with me to Judges chapter 3. We'll be in Judges chapter 3, 7 through 11 this morning. Hear now from God's word. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asheroth. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Reshathiam, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Reshathiam eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel, who saved them, Ophno, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Reshathiam, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Reshathiam. So the land had rest forty years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as we just sang about your deliverance of your people over over the years, you have been with us, you have blessed us, and you've carried us. Father, help us to see this in the history of Israel, and help us to see this in our own lives this morning. Help us to see that as Israel, we too are prone to wander. And help us to cling tightly to your word, to your blessings, to your goodness, and help us to love you. Please bless me now as I preach. Please bless the words that I speak. Protect us from any error that I may have, and grow us in your word this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the setting of our text this morning is following the exodus from Israel. Um, The Lord has delivered his people from Egypt, and then he has gone on to take them into the promised land. And then the book of Judges follows immediately after Joshua as the people are entering into the land. And the Lord has left nations around his people to test them. This is a new generation, a new generation that has not known the wars and has not seen the things that the generation before them had seen. And so these nations are left around them, and they're tested by these nations. And as we just read, we see that as they are tested, they fail the tests that's before them. So that's, that's the setting here. Uh, a few weeks ago, I preached from Deuteronomy, uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 6. We call that the Shema, that passage there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love him with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And then it goes on to talk about his word when you're in the house. Talk about his word when you're leaving the house, when you wake up, when you rise, to have the word in front of you all of the time, raising your children up in the word. And the reason that is ingrained in the people is what we just read. We see the cycle where the Israelites, they fall away. They forget the Lord their God. And then, then an enemy is raised up against them by the Lord. Then the people will cry out, and then the Lord will provide a deliverer for the people. And as long as that deliverer is alive, the people will have peace. And then when the deliverer dies, the peace is gone because the people will again do evil in the sight of the Lord. And again, an enemy is risen up by the Lord. And again, the people cry out to the Lord. The cycle continues on and on through this book. 
And so the passage we read this morning is probably the most basic account in the book of Judges. It gives us the cleanest, clearest picture of that cycle. And so I wanted to take that passage to follow up on the passage a few weeks ago from Deuteronomy where we are, we're taught how we are to stay in the word of God. And now we see how quickly we are to forget the word of God. Or as we sing in uh, the hymn, prone to wander. I feel like as we sing, come thou fountain of every blessing, we get to that line, prone to wander. And I always feel like the congregation sings that line louder. And it's because it resonates within us. We are prone to wander. We know that about ourselves. And so we have to touch base with scripture often as an anchor, right? To keep us from wandering. I, I once went swimming into a cave with a friend and we had no idea the water had raised up in this cave. So when we got into this cave, we went down a, a small waterfall to get into the cave, and then the water was too high when we got in there to see. The, the light was completely blocked out. And it's terrifying swimming in the dark when you can see nothing. So the first thing I did was I swam and I found rock to touch, and I kept my hand on the rock the entire time that we were down there when we were swimming. Because if we just swam aimlessly in this cave, who knows what would have happened? We would have been lost. We, would, we could have drowned. But holding on to the rock and going in a straight direction, I knew that eventually we would find our way out, and that's what happened. But, um, and that was instinctive. I instinctively knew I need to hold on to something solid, something that I can find my way out with. And uh, the Lord has graciously provided his word for us. The Lord has graciously provided instruction for us. And he even graciously provides that reproof that we see that people receive here in the passage. Um, when we were going through our order of worship this morning, there were so many things that connected to this passage that we've already participated in this morning. We read from Proverbs, and we receive instruction. Proverbs is constantly telling us that we need to receive the instruction of the Lord, and we need to receive the Lord's discipline and we, uh, that the wise man receives these things and grows from these things, right? And then um, as we were reading through the prayers of the people, uh, our first response was, make us receptive to the reproof from those who love us. Well, that's, that's our prayer this morning, that the Lord will make us receptive to his reproof. That's going to be one of our points as we go through the sermon this morning. So... Before we get to that, I just want to continue on in the context here. So the people now are in the land. This is the, the Exodus, Joshua, Judges. So now we're in Judges. And at the end of Joshua, before, right before Judges, Joshua, this is kind of the bumper sticker of Joshua that you may know. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? That's the part we remember. The part right before that is Joshua addressing the people. And he says, choose for yourself who are you going to serve? And then he gives them two options. And the two options, if you break it down, are the gods whom Abraham's ancestors would have worshipped or the gods of the nations around them. So essentially he says, are you going to revert to the old gods? Are you going to worship the gods of these nations around you? And then he says, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So that's option three. He gives them two options. Then he says, and here's option three. This is what... I'm going to do. And then the people say, oh, we're, we will be faithful. And Joshua says, no, you won't. And then the people say, yes, we will. And they're presumptuous. They assume that they will be. 
but the truth is they are not. And um, that's a solemn warning for us. We too are presumptuous. We too assume, yes, I will serve the Lord. Of course, the Lord has seen me through all of these things in my life. The Lord has worked in such a way in my life. Surely I will serve the Lord. And the warning from Joshua to the people is, don't assume that you're going to be faithful. And that's, that's something we need to take to heart. Just as these people cycle through again and again and again, each generation does it. And we do this in miniature cycles in our lives. So that's something we need to be very aware of. And we need to anchor ourselves in Scripture because of that. So here, the people have failed. They failed to do Deuteronomy 6. They failed to raise their children up in the Word. They, were, they failed to, to do the Word themselves. And how quickly we are to forget as people. Um, just a few generations ago, um, not even that long ago, really, uh, we have atrocities like the Holocaust. And there are so many things that generations go through, and they hope the next generation will not forget the reality and the gravity of different things. But now we're at a point in time where people are far enough removed from these things that they even doubt the reality of these things that are real. And that's, that's how we are as people. We forget very quickly and we move on. Uh, a few years ago, I was shopping at a Goodwill and I bought some 45 vinyl records. Um, I don't know if you know what a 45 is. It's about it's, you know, it's a smaller vinyl record. And I was at Goodwill. I brought them to the cashier. 45s were supposed to be 45 cents, so I grabbed a stack and brought them to the cashier. And when she's ringing them up, I notice that the price is higher than I'm anticipating. And so I ask her, I say, aren't the 45s 45 cents? Why, why are you charging me this much? And she said, she picks it up and looks at it, and she says, this is a, a cassette tape, right? And because she had a list that with prices, so she saw cassette tapes and it was a different price. And I, I looked at her, I was like, no, a cassette tape's rectangular, it's got tape inside of it, and this is a, a round vinyl disc, they're very different items. But she was a generation removed from a 45. She'd never used a 45. And many of you, when you hear 45, you're not even thinking about a record, you're thinking about a gun right now. So, so like, we could quickly move on from things, right? Uh, Now, 45s, if you forget what a 45 is, it doesn't matter. That's not the kind of thing you need to raise up your child in. It's not that important if they forget that sort of thing. It's just a simple example. We quickly move on from one thing to the next. And there are some things that we cannot afford to do that with. And so what we're talking about this morning is a much weightier forgetfulness Another aspect of forgetfulness is that it's not just that the people have simply forgotten in, the, in terms of memory. So that's an aspect there where we need to remember the word of God. But this is more specific. This is more an active thing. This is an active type of forgetting where they are turning away from, from the Lord. And so that's another thing to think about is that this is, um, this is a rebellion essentially, against the Lord, if you you want to put it in those terms. And and like them, we are prone to wander. And so there are so many warnings in Scripture because this is who we are. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God, by not keeping his commandments today and his rules and statutes which I command you today. And then uh, in Deuteronomy 8, it continues uh, in verse 19, If you forget the Lord your God... And go after other gods and serve them and worship them. 
I solemnly warn you today that you will surely perish. And Nehemiah uh, refers to this forgetting of the Lord as casting the law behind their backs. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 26, he says that Israel cast the law of the Lord behind their back. And what an image is that, that, that Nehemiah is giving us. So if I were to take this Bible, this is a, this is a very nice Bible. I'm very, I care a lot about this Bible, and I, I'm very careful with it. When I lay it in the car, I try to make sure it won't slide off the seat. Yeah, I, I care a lot about this. Well, the picture that, that Jeremiah, or Nehemiah sorry, just gave us is that Israel has done this. I'm not actually going to do it because I really do care about this Bible. But throwing it over their shoulder. If I did that, everybody in here would probably cringe um, for several reasons. And we have a reverence for the, the word of the Lord, particularly when it's in print form, we have a reverence for our Bibles. We treat them a little bit different than we treat other books. But do we have the same reverence for the Bible, metaphorically speaking? Or do we treat it that way with our hearts? And so when Nehemiah says they cast the law over their shoulders, they didn't literally cast the law over their shoulders. Their actions were speaking as if they had cast the law over their shoulders. And that is the type of thing that we must guard ourselves from. In our actions, do we show that sort of disdain for Scripture? So that, that is how Nehemiah shows the departure from Scripture. And I think that's something that we can very easily do and not even realize we've done it. We can cast the law over our shoulder in our hearts. So in order to remember the Lord in our hearts and our minds this morning, we're going to focus on a few things to help our hearts be inclined towards the Lord and remember his faithfulness. So we remember the faithfulness of our Lord. Uh, it should be in your bulletin there to, by remembering that his reproof is good and that his response is gracious and that his restoration is faithful. His reproof is good, his response is gracious, and his restoration is forever. And these are three things that we see in the cycles of the judges over and over again. They are repeated throughout this cycle. So let's consider this cycle now. Let's um, start with the first two verses we read, chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 of Judges. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they forgot the Lord their God, and they served the Baals and the Asheroth. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Reshathim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Reshathim eight years. Okay, his reproof is good. What is reproof? We're talking about correction, discipline from the Lord here. Um, I stole this word reproof from Hebrews uh, chapter 12, which I'm, I'll turn there now if you have your Bibles, so you're welcome to turn with me. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, I'll look at 3 through 11 here. It says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastised every son whom he receives. And then jump ahead to verse 11 here. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, 
It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That's what's happening to Israel here. Their father is disciplining them. He is reproving them for the moment, and it is painful. They serve Kushan Reshathayim for eight years in this passage. But why? What did they do? Well, they forsook the Lord their God. They served the Baals and the Asheroth. And what does that that mean exactly? Well, the nations around them worship these gods. The nations around them looked to these gods for their sustenance, to get them through each harvest, to help them as they were having children, to give them rain. These were the gods they prayed to. But Israel is supposed to be praying to the Lord, the one true God, not relying on these false gods, not out of fear or turning to these gods, but instead trusting their Lord and worshiping their Lord while they're in the midst of a people who don't. And so what Israel has failed to do is to be faithful. And they have gone after these other gods. And as, as a consequence to that, now they are suffering. And Israel has so many tormentors in their history. Right now, it's Kushan Rishathayim. Uh, in a few years, it will be Babylon. But the, the list is long of Israel's tormentors. But of all of their tormentors, their worst enemy is themselves. Because it's when they sin that they're turned over to these tormentors. And that's what we need to understand here, is that their real enemy is their sinful heart. And that the Lord's response to this, his reproof, is good. And that this pain is bringing about peaceful fruit. And so another aspect of reproof that we should consider right now is that we do not refine the things that we want to throw away. The Lord here is refining his people. He's working in their lives, working things to their good. If I was doing a construction project and I were cutting up boards and the scrap boards that I had that I was going to throw in a dumpster, if I were to sand the edges of those boards and polish them up before I threw them in the dumpster, you'd think I was out of my mind. You would think, why are you wasting your time on these boards that you're throwing away? Well, here, the Lord is refining his people. He's sanding down those edges because he's not going to throw them away, because he's keeping them. He is keeping them as his own treasured people. And that's something we need to understand, that when the Lord is working, he's not just simply punishing us and beating us with a rod here, but instead he is working towards an end, towards a good end. And in this situation, Kushan Rishathayim is simply the rod being raised up by the Lord. And in your homes growing up, maybe, or maybe you or your friends, uh, their parents used a wooden spoon. Uh, and it was sort of the spanking spoon. Uh, maybe that's a southern thing. Uh, but I, I knew several people that they had spanking spoons in their houses. And, and they knew that when that spoon was in their parents' hand, they had done something wrong and they were about to be straightened out. And so in this illustration, Kushan Rishathayim is just a wooden spoon in the hand of the Lord. He has no power that's not given to him by the Lord. And so the Lord is sovereignly working through this entire scenario to discipline his children. And he's rescuing them as they are drifting away from him. And the Lord disciplines us in that same way. And after eight years, the people cry out to the Lord. And his response to them is gracious. Let's look at verses 9 through 10 of Judges chapter 3. 
But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people who saved them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Reshathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Reshathaim. So in the text, the people were given into the hand of Cushan Reshathaim. If you pay attention to the wording, the people are given into the hand of Cushan Reshathaim, and now Cushan Reshathaim is being given into the hand of this deliverer. So the people cry out. And the Lord graciously hears them, graciously delivers them. And we need to see the faithfulness of the Lord in all of this. The Lord was faithful to, to send this instrument to discipline his children. And now the Lord is faithful when his children cry out. He is faithful to raise up a deliverer for them, to hand over this oppressor now to the deliverer. And... We're encouraged to cry out to the Lord because he hears our cries, because he responds to our cries. Years ago, I had a friend who adopted a child from Ethiopia. And when when they got to Ethiopia, this child was very malnourished. Uh, If they had been there just a few weeks later, the child would not have made it. And they, they received the child, and as they are taking the child home, they realize something. He never cries. This child silent. And it's, it's bizarre to have a child not cry. It's normal for a child to cry out. It's, it's, it seems to be ingrained into us to cry out. When we have needs as a child, uh, I need a, a, a diaper. I need to be fed. I, you know, I have gas. Whatever the, the child is enduring, they cry out. And this child quit crying out because no one ever responded to him. And that was just this really sad realization that they came to. The reason he doesn't cry is because He's wasted his tears for years, and no one has ever, never responded. Yet, once he's adopted, once he has new parents that are taking care of his needs, and he knows they are responsive to me, he begins to cry. And so he begins to cry again. Now he's crying out to his new parents because they know, well, he knows that they are faithful, that they care for him, and that they will do good for him. And so he's crying out to his parents now. And in the same way, we need to learn to cry out to our Lord because he hears us and he does respond to us. If we do not believe that the Lord is responding to our prayers, we, we quit crying out. But we need to cry out. That's, that's an act of worship to cry out because it's a declaration that I believe you hear me, Lord. I believe that you are faithful to your children. And so we cry out to the Lord in worship. We cry out to the Lord in need because he is good. And his response to us is gracious. And the psalmist does this constantly. He's crying out to the Lord even when he has no idea how the Lord is at work, even when he can't see a possible good outcome. The psalmist cries out to the Lord. And that that needs to be our, our heart. We need to cry out to the Lord knowing that he is gracious and trusting in that. And he is faithful. Remember how he hears the groans of the people in Egypt. Before the exodus, the people cried out, and the Lord hears their groaning, and he rescues them. And in here in the text, the people cry out, and he hears them, and he's faithful to provide them a deliverer. Notice how at every moment, the Lord is in control. Every moment, the Lord is faithful. 
So remember the faithfulness of your Lord. He is faithful in the way that he reproves you. And it's good when he reproves you. And he is faithful in the way that he hears your cry. And he is gracious when he responds to it. And he is also gracious in that he gives us a restoration that is forever. In the text, this restoration is temporal. Let's read this. Judges chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 now. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Reshathiam, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Cushan Reshathiam. So the land had rest 40 years. Then Othniel, son of Kenes, died. If we were to keep reading, we would see in the very next verse that the people again do evil. Very next verse. That's intentional. That, the way this is recorded, we're supposed to see how quickly this turns. The people never truly know peace. They never truly inherit the promised land and its fullness as the way it should be. Forty years the people have peace in our text this morning. And then the judge dies. And then we have another generation cycle through the same thing as the previous one. And then again and again and again. With every judge, you have that pattern because every judge dies. That's something we need to make note of. Every judge here dies. The judges aren't judges with a gavel, with a white wig, if you think historically. That's not the type of judges that we have here in our passage. These judges were more than simply people making judicial decisions on behalf of the people. These judges were deliverers for the people. These judges are a type of Christ. We see a picture of Christ in these judges. Um, Here's where they diverge from Christ. Each one of these judges dies and is unable to deliver the people any further. We have a judge that is eternal because when Christ died, he rose again, and we have him forever. And that is where the cycle is broken. But we still live on earth. We are still prone to wander. And so while we experience temporal deliverance sort of like Israel at times, right, we cycle back in. So we still see this pattern in our own lives, even though the pattern is eternally broken, We still struggle like Israel. And so we can relate on the one hand with Israel and say, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to see this multiple times in my life, right? We don't want to be presumptuous and assume that we will be faithful at all times here on this earth. We live in what we call the already not yet. Sometimes it's kind of a theological phrase we like to use. Already meaning I am already enjoying the benefits of my eternal judge, my eternal king who is resurrected and I'm united with him, yet it's not yet in the sense that I still live in a fallen world and I am on this side still of Christ's return. And so the time between Christ's ascension and his descension back, that is the not yet that we live in. That looks a little bit more like what we see in this passage where the people are struggling and the people need to be reproved. The people need to cry out to the Lord and be delivered and enjoy peace once again. We see that over and over again in our own lives. 
yet we have hope because our judge is eternal and he is with us when he when we cry out and so our cycles of sin and judgment tend to be a little shorter than 40 years in our lives don't they we 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 see them a lot more rapidly so we remember the faithfulness of our lord that he has provided us this eternal judge and that his reproof for us is good his response to us is gracious and that thankfully we look forward to restoration that is forever that we can enjoy peace in the promised land forever the peace that the Israelites hope for is the same peace that we are hoping for, right? So in conclusion, how can we forget such a great salvation? The Lord has dealt so graciously with us. He has worked so miraculously within us. How can we forget these things? Well, that's, that was the same situation for the Israelites. The same people that told Joshua that we will be faithful and they weren't faithful, they had experienced great things from the Lord. The Israelites in the the wilderness had had seen water part. They saw water come from a rock. They experienced a pillar of fire and cloud, all of these things. The Lord was with them, providing for them. They gave them manna, uh, all of the blessings that they received, yet they fell away. 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us that exact warning to a presumptuous people in the Corinthians church body there, they are presuming that they will be okay. And he says, don't forget that all of these people in the wilderness that saw these things, these great works of the Lord, fell away. That many of them were left dead on the ground in the wilderness. And if you'll track the history here even, Joshua and Caleb make it into the promised land. That's not a great uh, turnover out of the people, right? It's not a good testimony of how well we maintain faithfulness, even though we've seen a great thing. So we do not want to be presumptuous. That's the warning. That is, that is the warning that Judges is giving us. That's the warning Joshua was giving the people. That's the warning Paul gives the church in Corinth. And that's the warning that we need now. We don't want to be presumptuous. Even with all we have seen, even with all that we know, we are still prone to wander. And so I ask, have you placed your faith in Jesus for true rest, eternal rest, not just rest for the next 40 years? Is, is the type of faith that we bring to the table, is this a table, I mean, is this a faith that is focused on the here and now in this day and age, you may not receive the type of peace and rest that you want in this life. That may not be the Lord's plan for you. But have you placed your faith in the eternal rest? That rest is promised. And that is the rest that we lay hold to. It's an eternal rest, not for 40 years, but it's much better. It's not a passing fad like 45 records But this is an eternal truth that we hold on to for eternal peace with our eternal Lord, where we will live with him forever, enjoying peace with a judge that never passes away. And so we need scripture. We need to cling to scripture. We need to hold on to it, stay anchored in it. Our kids don't need 45 records. Our kids need scripture as well. That's what we need to pass on to them. 
So don't cast his word behind you with your actions, with your minds, but instead latch on to this word, cling on to it. Remember the faithfulness of your Lord because his reproof is good and he will not cast you away, so do not cast his word away. His word refines us and he is res- responsive to your prayers. Cry out to him. He graciously hears you and rest knowing that the final restoration is forever. So we endure, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And how does he perfect us? He perfects us through some of these hardships. Cry out to him in those times and rest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth that we can find consolation in that you do ultimately provide us with an eternal rest that is so much better than anything that we're crying out for now. Help us to latch on to that truth. Help us to find endurance knowing that hope is ahead. Help us to find endurance knowing that you hear our cries. Help us to be a people that pray. Grow us our Grow our prayer lives, grow our spiritual lives, our time in your word. Help us to speak of your word often with our spouses, our children, our friends, our family. Bring it to mind when we are in suffering. Encourage us, Lord, and help us to trust that you will see us through and that you will work all things to the good of your people. In Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.